Welcome to church. Hallelujah. Man, it's so good to be in God's house today. Amen. You know, I was thinking yesterday and today about how every single one of us are welcome in His house. You know, you see all this division all around the world and, you know, in the United States among different people and different groups and different parties. So much division. And I love that the house of Jesus Christ is the point of unity. Amen. That the house of Jesus Christ, that God's house is a place of unity where we can all come together and say we all agree that He is the King, that He's the King of kings, that He's the Lord of lords. Come on, that He's the Savior, Redeemer, Justifier, amen. We can all come together and say, hey, our God is good, amen. The other thing I love about God's house is how every single one of us is welcome in God's house. All of us, you're welcome in God's house. It doesn't matter what you've done, where you've been, what you've seen, who you've heard. You're welcome in God's house. And right now, I want you to know you're welcome at Eternity Church. You're welcome at Eternity Church. I don't even know if you, if you hear me. You're welcome. I'm glad that you're here today. And I know that God wants to speak to you. I know that, that God wants to bless you. I love to think about in the beginning when God created the heavens and the earth and He's like, let's make mankind in our image. And at that moment, God thought of you. And I love that as He saw your life unfold, that He saw you'd be here today and that He wanted you to be encouraged and inspired by this Word today. And, you know, I'm going to preach a sermon today that I believe with all my heart is going to fill you with the power and the boldness to pray prayers of faith, to pray bold prayers to live a bold faith, amen? Not to have a hidden faith, not the faith that just pops out for an hour or two on Sunday or on Saturday, but, but, but I, want, I believe that today is going to help your heart fill with a bold faith, amen? A faith that gets loud on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday, amen? I'm praying for you today that you'd have a bold faith. And so I'm going to read the Word to you today. I'm going to read from Acts 3, verses 1 to 9. And um, uh, by the way, if you're new, welcome to Eternity Church, by the way. Love you. So stoked that you're here. Um, that, you, that, you, that out of all the places you could have gone on Mother's Day, that you chose the house of God. So thank you so much. By the way, happy Mother's Day, ladies. Come on. And uh, we... Um, we do want to, at Eternity Church, celebrate every single woman at Eternity. Um, there's a, no matter whether you have a child or not, we've got a gift for you out there. Um, we don't just want to give a gift to mums. We want to give a gift to all the ladies in the house. We love you. We honor you. We thank you. Uh, we know that Mother's Day is tough for some people, and I really appreciate and am thankful that you have chosen to rejoice with those who rejoice today. So thank you for that. Um, also, though, we do want to say that we are celebrating mums uh, particularly as well. I want to celebrate my bride, Lauren, the new man. Um, she's the she is the only woman at the church that wakes up a new man every day, and so... Lauren Newman, all right, and uh, but she's a great mom and uh, the greatest mom I have ever met. I've been blessed to have two moms, my mom and my stepmom, 
and um, and they're both great women. But my wife puts uh, just makes them look well. We're just awesome, wifey. Love you, and um, you're awesome. So anyway, um, what are we doing? We're going to read the Bible, right? Acts chapter three, verses one to nine. Uh, can you do me a favor? Can you yell at me when I preach today? All right. And uh, you know the deal, like we didn't just come here to see an underdressed Aussie, you know, um, come and preach. We came here to hear from God and we're going to do this sermon together. Amen. And so Acts chapter 3 verses 1 to 10. Uh, One day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time to pray at three in the afternoon. And a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those coming to the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. He looked at them, uh, sorry, Peter looked at him straight in the eye, as did John. And then Peter said, look at us. And so the man gave them his full attention, expecting that they would give him something, money, right? Then Peter said, silver and gold have I none, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. And then taking him by the hand, he helped him up and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. You know what I love? That the church isn't called to just throw money at problems and be like, here's 50 bucks, here's 100 bucks, here's 200 bucks. Sit there and stay there begging for the rest of your life. But the church of Jesus Christ is called to come out, reach out our hands and say, hey, we may not have all the money in the world, but what we do have, we give to you. In the name of Jesus, get up. Come on. Get up out of your misery. Get up out of your victimhood. Get up out of your brokenness. Get up out of your, get up out of all of this clay and come and rise up. Amen. That's what the church is called to do. Verse 8. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. And then he went with them into the temple court, walking and jumping and leaping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. They were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Come on, if you want to if if you, you receive something from God today, if you want to leave this place better than you came in, if you want to leave this place with a bold faith today, would you reach out your hands? Because I want to pray for you right now. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. God, I thank you for your word. God, I thank you that this is as relevant today as it was yesterday. <clears throat> That, God, it's always relevant. It's always impactful. It's always powerful. And I pray in the name of Jesus that that you would help me preach your word in the best way I can. But even more importantly, Lord, I pray that you help us all to receive it today. That, God, we wouldn't just hear a sermon, but we would go and live it tomorrow. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, get ready, 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 get ready. Look at the person behind you and said, I said, get ready. Wow. Is somebody ready? Is somebody ready? Come on. Good, because somebody just told you to get ready. So I hope you got ready. Come on. I got a word for you today. It's going to be a bit of a banger, uh, but it's going to be good. So you're ready for that? The first half of this sermon series, um, um, we stayed anchored on this one text. Uh, the Lord's Prayer, and it's the prayer that Jesus modeled for us, right? He said, this then is how you should pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us 
from the evil one, right? <clears throat> like, and so many Christians know this passage, and, and it's almost like a mark of Christian maturity if you can quote it, right? Can I tell you, quoting it has nothing on living it, hello, right? The real mark of Christian maturity is, am I praying? Am I living it? Do I have a relationship with God? Not, can I recite all this scripture at everybody else today, right? And so we've been anchored to that text for the last um, uh, three weeks, um, technically four weeks, but um, we're in the middle of a sermon series, and last week I took a gap, right? I, I, I went off topic. I couldn't do prayer because I'm like hypo, ADHD, hyperactivity disorder, psycho, can't, fo- you know. And then on top of that, I drink about 14 uh, espresso shots every single day, three Cokes to throw on top of that, and, uh, you know, and anything else that will make me psycho and hypo, right? You know? And uh, so because of that, I need to take a gap in the middle of every sermon series and let all that pressure that's building up just come out. And that was last week. Were you all here for the darkroom sermon last week? Yeah. If you weren't here, go get that. But I want to recap the three weeks before that, all right? And you really should go listen, uh, go listen to and, or watch the first three sermons of the series. Week one was approaching God. Week two, looking up. Week three, do it now. The approaching God sermon, that deals with this misconception that so many of us have that the first thing our Heavenly Father wants us to do is ask for forgiveness every time we want to pray, right? That's the first thing that God wants us to do. But in the Lord's Prayer, Jesus actually has us thanking God, magnifying God. He has us asking God to use His great power to fix things on earth and also to provide for us. And He has us do all of that before He would even have us mention the fact that we have sinned. Isn't that phenomenal? That before we even mention the fact that we've sinned, God's got us asking Him to provide for our lives. And so many Christians live in this misconception that I've got to be focused on my sin and and deal with that before God hears me. Listen, God's listening to you, amen? Come on, God is listening to each and every one of you. If your heart is toward God, if you're praying, God is listening to you, amen? So that soon will give you the confidence you need to approach God. That's some quality H2O. Gatorade. Anyway, then the next sermon was uh, the looking up sermon. And that teaches us the importance of entering into prayer with an attitude of looking up rather than an attitude looking down at myself or my own inadequacies or my sin or my struggles. You know, that when we walk into prayer with a looking up attitude, looking up at God's great power and looking at the testimonies of what God has already done in our lives and the lives of our friends and families, that that builds faith in our hearts and it gives us the faith we need to ask God to do it again. Amen. And that sermon will give you the confidence you need to ask God to do something in your life. And then lastly, the do it now sermon deals with the importance of praying right now rather than saying, I'll pray later. Were you here for that sermon? And so often Christians can tend to use prayer as a virtue signal, right? Like, I'll pray for you. I'm praying for you. Prayer hands emoji. You know, on our Facebook, on our, on our text threads, you know, and, and, but then they don't actually pray. Perhaps it's because they just wanted to end an awkward conversation. Maybe they wanted to look like a good Christian. Um, perhaps they genuinely wanted to pray for you, but maybe they forgot as life got busy. But either way, the do it now prayer warriors, they actually get to see heaven invade earth and lives changed by the power of God because they stop and they take a moment and they actually begin to pray, Right? Let's pray is better than I'll be praying for you. Amen. And what did we say? If somebody says to you, hey, I'll pray for you. What do we say? 
We say, now's good. That's right. Let's pray right now. Do it now. <clears throat> the do it now sermon will give you the confidence you need to pray for people in public or wherever you are right now. Amen. And so that was a good three weeks and it was all about how to pray. And that's important, right? How to pray. But honestly, praying more and more and more and more is the best way that you'll actually learn to pray, right? See, doing the, doing the things that we've talked about in the first three, mess, first three messages, um, do that. Just start praying and don't stop praying. If you do that, you'll become a prayer warrior, amen, by just praying. Don't worry about how good you sound. Don't worry about if you're eloquent enough. Just pray, amen, and the more you do it, the better you'll get at it. It's just like communicating with my wife, with Lauren, right? When I first met her, I was like, I have no idea how to communicate with this feminine heart. And I would try and she would say things back and I'm like, so fine means I can go, right? But it doesn't. <clears throat> fine means cuss words and stuff, you know what I mean? That, that's what that means. And, and, you know, and it takes time to learn how to communicate, right, with your spouse. Am I right? Somebody say, hey, freaking men, right? Like, you know that's the truth, right? And, uh, but here's the thing. As you build a framework of communication and fumble your way through, you get better at it. And that's the same as it was with my wife. As we built a framework of communication and fumbled our way through, we got better at it. And I want to tell you, it's the same with your relationship with God. Just start communicating with God and fumble your way through. Amen. Just start and don't stop. All right. But now as we get to the second half of this sermon series, I want to switch the tagline from uh, this then is how you should pray. I want to switch that to this then is what you should pray for. Okay. This then is what you should pray for. Okay. Because, because like we can spend all this time wondering how do we pray? How do we pray? How do we pray? But then wondering what am I actually supposed to pray for? Right. And number one, everything, like everything. If you care about it, God cares about it. All right. If you care about it, your heavenly father cares about it. All right. Scripture actually says in prayer and supplication, present all of your requests to the Lord. Right. We should pray about everything. But there are some things that a believer should always pray for. There are some things that, that are even more important than everything that when a believer is confronted with it, they should stop and they should immediately pray, all right? They should pray now. Some of those things are what we're going to talk about over the next couple of weeks. But the first one, we're just going to hit the nail on the head. And in the middle of this coronavirus kind of attitude and in the middle of this kind of pandemic vibe going on in the world, I want to tell you the first one that no believer should ever walk past without stopping and praying, you should pray for healing. Oh, some people are like, yes. Some people are like, oh, hey, you should pray for healing. If you believe God's a healer, you should pray for healing. Y'all over here should pray for healing. Y'all in the middle should pray for healing. Y'all on my left should pray for healing. Up the back, we should all be praying for healing because our God is a healer. Or as the Americans say, our God is a healer. Right? Come on, our God is a healer. Amen? <laughs> Come on, touch your neighbor. Tell him God is a healer. God is a healer. God is a healer. Our God is a healer. Amen. He says it of himself. I am Jehovah Rapha. I am the Lord who heals you. I am Jehovah Rapha. I am the Lord who heals you, right? 
what did we say a couple of weeks back, a few weeks back? Whenever God says, I am, you pay attention. Because when God says, I am, He's not saying right now, I am. I always was, I always will be, and I am right now. I am, I always have been, I always will be. I am, I is, I will be, I will continue to be the God who heals you. Amen. He's a healer. Your God is a healer. Write that down. My God is a healer. Throw that up on Instaframagram. My God is a healer because your God is Jehovah Rapha. Amen. Now, Peter and John, they knew this. The two guys at the start of the story, they knew this. They witnessed this. They hung out with Jesus. If you hung out with Jesus, you know Jesus goes around healing everybody, right? Jesus is breaking, Jesus is completely breaking the hospital system. They're like, ain't nobody coming to hospital anymore because Jesus is in town. Come on. Everybody who hung out with Jesus knows he's a healer. Peter and John, they saw him heal a crippled man. They saw him heal multiple crippled men. They saw him heal a woman who had been bleeding for years. They saw him cast out demons. They saw him heal a blind man by making mud, spitting on the ground and stuffing it in his eye holes. That's messed up. That's me- when, every time someone goes to pray for me now, I'm always like, you know, if I was blind and someone said, could I pray for you? I'd be like, hmm. Some of y'all don't know the story. Jesus, there was a blind man and Jesus is like, I'm going to heal this guy. So he <laughs> spits in the mud, in the ground, dirt, grabs spit dirt mud and stuffs it in the guy's eye holes. And goes, that'll do. That's crazy stuff, right? How God's a healer. And kind of hilarious at it too, right? They saw him do that. They saw him cast out demons. They saw him heal a leper. They saw Jesus walk up and touch a leper on the hands. A leper, the most contagious dude of the day. They saw Jesus walk up and touch him. Everybody else ran away from him. Everybody else was afraid of him. But Jesus walked up and touched him. Peter and John knew that our God is a healer. Church, have you read your Bibles? God is a healer. If you've read your Bibles, you know that God is a healer. All the way through from the start to the end, our God is a healer. From Genesis to Malachi, the, the Italian prophet, God is a healer. From Matthew all the way to Revelation, God is a healer. Come on, all the way through from the start to the end, our God is a healer. Y'all know about Malachi, the Italian prophet? The book of Malachi, come on. All the way through, God is healing bodies. He's healing broken hearts. He's healing crippled minds. He's a healer. Do you believe it, church? Do you believe it for real? Come on, see, healing takes participation. I got to be there. I'm here for it. Amen. See, they also heard Jesus say that it's better for us that Jesus ascend back to heaven so the Holy Spirit can come. Because the Holy Spirit will empower us to live the life that God's called us to live. And that with the Holy Spirit's help and the Holy Spirit's power, we can do the same things that Jesus did even more and all over the world. That's what Jesus said. So after being filled with the Spirit, Peter and John went to pray. They met a lame man on the way. Do you all know that song? Come on, wave at, put your hand up if you know the song from when you're in kids' church, when you're a little kid. Maybe it was just mostly in Australia, you know. 
Peter and John went to pray. They met a layman on the way. He asked for alms and he held out his palms. And this is what Peter did say. Silver and gold have I none, but what I have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. So he went walking and jumping and praising God. Walking and jumping and praising God. Does anyone know it? Walking and jumping and praising God. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. I'm a great singer. Great singer. My wife, actually, it's Mother's Day, and, I, and when we woke up, I looked at her, and I said, baby, what do you want today? She goes, I want you to sing for me, baby. <laughs> so I just did. Come on. Y'all think we should sw- I should switch with Amanda, and she should start preaching, and I should start leading worship? Y'all think we should leave it how it is? Yeah, yeah all right. Cool, cool. We'll do that. <laughs> you know, I loved singing this song in kids' church 30 years ago. Well, maybe not quite, 28 years ago. But you know, when I sung it, I believed it. When I sung it, I believed it. I believed that if I prayed for people, that miraculous things would happen. And so because I believed that when I prayed for people, miraculous things would happen, I prayed for people, and miraculous things happened, amen? And church, I still believe. I know it might be old school faith, but at least it's faith, amen? I, I know it's old school to believe that God's a healer, but I've got faith. Now, my kids, they call me old school all the time. All the time. Just last week, I stood up and had a stretch. And Judah goes, getting old, hey, Dad. I'm like, bro, I worked out this morning, and I will still throw you through a wall, right? Like, come on, man, give me a break, you know? I should have told him the story where the young man in the Bible, where the young man in the Bible called the prophet an old man, and then a bunch of bears came out and ate those kids. I hated that story when I was 10. I love it now. My kids call our rules old school, right? Like, because we have rules on when and how they can use their, uh, their gaming devices, right, and things like that. And actually, right now, we're halfway through a five- or six-week ban on video game technology at our house. And one of my kids keeps reminding me, Dad, because they sound like you, little American voices. Dad, these roles are so outdated. Dad, you're so old school, Dad. No one does this anymore, Dad. And every time I think, you know what? I'm glad I'm old school where it counts. Like, I'm glad I'm old school where it counts, amen? Like, I'm old school because instead of you guys being addicted to video games, I want to throw a ball with you. I'm old school because I don't want you addicted to video games. Like, I'm fine with you playing video games every now and again. Like, I had a, a thingy growing up, a PlayStation, you know, growing up, the first one I think it was, and... You know, but I want to raise kids that know how to communicate and interact and explore and enjoy the world that God created them and gave them dominion over, right? (laughs) Maybe I'm old school, but in a world where some kids don't even recognize faces without masks and are afraid to disagree with anybody, can't handle a minute bit of confrontation, don't know how to interact with each other in a civil way, I'm glad I'm raising old school kids that can do both. Online and outside. Online, 
video game, Fortnite, whatever, you know, and go outside and, hey, neighbor, want to kick a ball? Like, I'm glad I've got kids that can do both. Amen. Go camping without crying. Hello. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm 38. I know I sound 88 right now. (laughs) I know. I know I sound 88 right now. But I'm cool with new school as well. Like, I love new things, right? So long as the new is actually better than the old, then I'm cool with it, right? Like, I love new clothes. I'm all about it, right? In fact, my favorite thing in the world right now is that the 80s are back, baby. Come on. The 80s are back, baby. Someone sent me a photo of, um, of Ice Cube uh, from, from the 80s and, and then and put it next to a picture of me. And they were like, you look like, but not entirely, but that you look a little bit like Ice Cube. They called me White Cube. And I was like, all right, I guess that's me right now. I'm White Cube. But because um, the 80s are back, baby. Come on, right? I feel like that's God's little God. Bless you all. I know the pandemic sucked, but have the 80s back, babies. You know, God's so good. Hey, but seriously, I love new stuff too, though. Like, I love having a new house. I'm glad that I don't have a house that was built in the 1820s, you know. Hello, I like air conditioning. I like electricity. I like flicking the light switch on. I like having a new car. I love new technology. I'm all about it. I love having all these LED screens here at church, right? It's fantastic. I love the smoke machines. I love the amplification. And I love being able to stream online. All of that. I love new school too. But not everything that's new is awesome. Not every new attitude is awesome, by the way. Not every new way of thinking is actually good for us. It's not all awesome. See, you know where I'm old school? I've got old school faith. And I still believe that Jesus heals. I still believe that God is Jehovah Rapha. I still believe that we can lay hands on the sick and see them healed in the name of Jesus. I still believe that, church. I still believe it. I still believe that God designed our bodies, right? I love that he designed our bodies so unique and so wonderful that we have immune systems that can usually fix whatever's wrong. Isn't that cool? That generally speaking, not always, not for everybody, not all the time, but generally speaking, that when we look after our bodies as wise stewards of our bodies, that usually our bodies will fight off disease. Isn't that cool that not only did God, not only is God Jehovah Rapha, who heal, the God who heals you, but he actually designed our bodies to rougher themselves. That as God created us in his image, that he actually designed our bodies to heal themselves. Isn't that fascinating with immune systems? And my heart has been cut out of my chest when I was 18. I've got a line from here to here. And then, and then they got these jaws of life and they stretched my chest open and they disconnected my heart from my body, cl- plugged me into some machine. And then, and then I didn't have a pulse for like 12 to 18 hours, whatever it was. And then, um, and then they sliced my heart open. And then when they put it back together, it healed. It healed. And when they sewed my arteries back on, they healed. And when they put my chest back together, it healed. Like, I, I, thank God, I thank God for science, absolutely. I love that God created us creative and that we've explored and that we've discovered ways and scientific ways where we can fix problems. And there's a hole in the heart because there's sin in the world. And because of that, I have a hole in the heart and there's sickness and disease. And then God designed our minds in a way that we could figure out scientific breakthrough because science always backs up the word, amen. And so, and, and so they figured out a way to do that. And then God designed my body that it would close itself back up again. I love that. 
I love that God designed Rafa into our bodies. But I still believe that when a disease gets past our body's defenses, that our God is a healer. I still believe it. And I know it's old school. And I know the world has changed and it's not super cool to believe in healing anymore. But I've seen it and I've experienced it and I still believe it because Jesus did it. And Jesus said that it can happen in my life too, again and again and again. Did you know that basically, maybe bar one, probably all, that basically every denomination of Christianity for thousands of years has believed it and has taught that our God is a healer. And for 2,000 years, people brought their sick to the church. And everybody knew that the church would pray for the sick, right? And everybody knew that the church would lay hands on the sick like the Word of God commanded them. Every church, every denomination, in every country, in every city, every pastor and every saint knew it, that this is what we do. This is what we lay hands on the sick. We welcome the sick and they will be healed in the name of Jesus. Amen. We've always done that. Pastors have always gone to hospitals to pray for people. We've always opened the altars at church to pray for people. We've always believed it. Everybody's believed it forever. I still believe it. I still believe it, church. For a couple of thousand years, pastors and church employees were on the front line of every outbreak the world had ever seen. Every single one of them. Pastors would follow in Jesus' example and lay hands on the sick. Pastors would follow in Jesus' example and embrace people that the world calls unclean or untouchable. And it's not that these pastors or these believers, it's not that they didn't think the sickness was deadly. It's that they believed Jesus would protect them. <clears throat> and, and they believed that even if he didn't, they say like Paul said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. What happened to that old school Christian faith in our hearts, right? For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. For me to live is Christ and to die is to go and be in glory with heaven for the rest of all eternity, amen? And if my embrace means they were healed by God as we laid hands on them, fantastic. Or if it simply brought them comfort in their hearts and spirits, then that's what we did for thousands of years. Because that's what God's word commanded us to do. But now the world wants me to temperature check people at the doors and tell them to go home if they're sick. Talk about a 180 on our faith. Like we either have faith or we don't. That's it, my friends. And some pastors are going along with it. Well, I'm not. And I will not send people home. You're welcome in God's house. You're welcome in God's house. Everybody's welcome in God's house. Amen. Now, listen, I'm not bashing. I'm not bashing people who do that. You know, I'm not bashing pastors who have made mistakes. Look, we all make mistakes. I've made mistakes. It was hard navigating last year, being a pastor, being a leader, being a family leader, being a business leader. If you're any sort of leader, last year was hard. Am I right? Right? Like, like, like I get it. It was difficult trying to balance, uh, you know, thousands of opinions just in the church plus the world's opinions and everybody else's opinions and figuring out what do I, God, how do I honor you and love people in the middle of all this, right? Like I get it was hard. I get it was tough. 
I made mistakes. I shut church down for six to eight weeks. And I'm telling you right now, I know with all my heart that was sin. You didn't sin when that happened. I did as the lead pastor. I've said, sorry, I've repented. God's forgiven. I'm over it. Doesn't matter. But we all make mistakes. We all make mistakes, right? So I know. I know it's tough. But when this image came across my Instagram, it broke my heart, made me angry and saddened me all at the same time because there's so much dreadful truth in that picture, isn't there? Isn't there? That flew across my Instagram and broke my heart. Come to church. God will heal you. Remember we used to do healing crusades? Do you remember that? Bring your sick. We literally like, if you're sick, come here. We're praying for you, right? That's the church for 2,000 years until last year. Go home. Don't touch. That's not how we responded to any other pandemic. Get rid of that picture. It hurts my heart. There we go. Like I said, I hate when people attack the church. I do. You know, you got people out there and it's like they think they're, they're God's gift to fixing everybody else's problems, right? Like I can't stand people who all they do is ridicule the church. Oh, the church is this or the church is that or evangelicals this or Catholics and blah, 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 blah. You know, and I'm like, I want to throw my tablet at you and give you something to abuse the church about. You know, like I hate it when people pick on the church. But when I saw that one, I was like, that hurt. This is pretty rough today. Are you good? You good? But you know what? If saying to everybody in Des Moines, you're welcome in this church is old school, then color me old school. If believing in healing is old school, then call me old school. If having faith is old school, then all I ever want to be is old school. Amen. If believing that a pastor should get over whether or not he might get hurt and go and pray for, embrace, and love others is old school, then call me old school. All right. If opening your doors and welcoming the sick, the tired, the hurting, and the weary is old school, call me old school. If laying hands on the sick, contagious or not, is old school, then I want to be the oldest of them all. Because at some point, we've got to ask ourselves, do we believe the Word of God is the Word of God or not? Because these parts of Scripture, they're not actually open to interpretation, by the way. It's actually really clear that we should pray for the sick, that we should lay hands on them, anoint them with oil even, and you can't do that over the phone. James talks about visiting widows and orphans. We're called to embrace people, lay hands on people, visit people. This isn't interpretation. This isn't just one guy's interpretation. This is what the Word of God and ev- this is what, sorry, this is what every denomination in Christianity has believed for 2,000 years. Every one of them. Thousands of years. This is what pastors do. This is what elders do. This is what board members do. This is what leaders do. This is what saints do. And so we have to ask ourselves, if I believe the Word of God is the Word of God, will I bow down in fear to the world or sickness, or will I rise up as a faithful and obedient servant of Jesus Christ? Amen? Because I tell you right now, God designed healing into our bodies. Like I said, I am thankful for the scientific community. I am not anti-science. I'm not that guy at all. I'm not the guy saying, you should stop taking your meds. I'm saying, don't stop praying. Don't stop praying that you won't need those one day. Amen. Don't stop praying for a breakthrough. Don't stop praying for a healing. Amen. I'm just saying God designed our bodies and God gave people the creative power to discover um, uh, natural and scientific solutions. But God still moves in miraculous supernatural ways as well. 
And he told me and he told you to pray for the sick. And more importantly, he told us to lay hands on the sick. And he told us to welcome the sick and the outcasts. But even more specifically, that pastors and elders, that if the sick are unable to get to you, that you should go to the place where they're at and anoint them with oil. Is this all right so far? I'm fired up. Sorry, the picture made me so angry. Like, and sometimes I go, all right, God, I'm too angry to preach. And sometimes I feel like God says, use it. You know what I mean? And so it just depends on the day. And this week it was use it. Because I saw the picture and I was like, "Mm." I also felt convicted too. You want to know the real banger for this whole thing? That's God's command, whether it's illegal or popular or not. It's the same. The thing that broke my heart the most last year is churches that are like, for a hundred years, they've been sending they've been sending missionaries to China where it's illegal to have church, right? And they're like, "No, go have church. I know it's illegal. Go have church." And the moment their own butts are on their line, they're like, "Oh, maybe not." And I'm like, "Oh man, man, what is with that, right?" See, you got to understand when Peter and John went to pray, praying for that lame man was illegal. Now, I thank God that I don't live in one of those commonwealth countries. Um, I did it again, and it wasn't even intentional, Tyler. <laughs> I keep accidentally calling the commonwealth countries commie, and, um, because I've been saying that to my kids all, all, all year. And uh, so now it just comes out when I'm preaching, you know. And, and uh, I apologize if you're from a commonwealth country. I am too. I'm from Australia. Um, but it breaks my heart in all these commonwealth countries like the UK and uh, Canada and Australia and New Zealand where pastors are getting arrested for praying for people. And they're getting arrested for opening the doors of their church, right? And it's breaking my heart, right? I tell you what, though, I thank the Lord that we live in a country with a Bill of Rights. Amen. Honestly, I'm an immigrant and I'm not from here. And and if you were born here, let me tell you, the freedom you have in this country, it is not matched anywhere else in the entire world. This is the greatest, freest place on the planet. Oh, we got drama. Oh, we got problems. And we're going to keep working on it, right? But I tell you, I thank God we live here and that it's not going to be illegal for us to open the doors to our church. and, And even if it did, we'd get to the Supreme Court and they'd be like, come on, guys, you know. I thank God for that. But it doesn't matter even if that wasn't true. Even if that wasn't true, it was illegal for Peter and John to pray for this man. It was against the law and everybody else agreed. Now, while it might not be illegal here, I can tell you it ain't popular, right? It ain't popular. And if you want to please men and have favor with men, that's cool. But if you have favor with God, he'll give you favor with the right men and women. Amen. But everybody agreed they shouldn't do that. It was illegal and unpopular. But what did the apostles do? Silver and gold have I none, but what I'm going to give you, it's going to bless you. In the name of Jesus Christ, get up and walk, amen. And then he went leaping and dancing and praying. Okay. And then they were dragged. This is the thing. Then Peter and John were dragged in front of the Pharisees and the rulers of the day, and they were questioned and accused of breaking the law because they were praying for people, because they were preaching. Because after that, they were preaching and they were telling people about God's great love and about God's healing power and about how everybody's accepted and welcomed in the family of God. And then they got arrested. And then Peter, filled with the Spirit, it says in verses 8 to 10 of Acts chapter 4, then Peter, filled with the Spirit, replied to them and said, rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame, 
And if we've been asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you all crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Does that scripture raise faith in your heart or what? Come on, that scripture raises faith up in my heart. Come on. When I read that scripture, I feel like Joshua, give me my mountain, right? Because there's not a lot of mountains I'm willing to die on. But this is one. We are called to be the church. People of faith, amen. Now don't get me wrong. Believers are instructed in the word of God to submit to authority. See, some of y'all are like, yeah, I'm going to throw off all the chains, baby, you know. Like, no, no, that's not what I'm saying at all. Believers are called to submit to authority. In fact, one of our church's core values is honor up, honor down, and honor all around, right? And so I pay my taxes. Do I hate it every time? Yes. Is it unbiblical for them to require taxes of me? No. The Bible doesn't say paying taxes is sin. And the government requires it of me, so I pay it. In fact, there's a moment where somebody wants it, and Jesus is like, pay your taxes, all right? Like, pay your taxes, all right? Like, hey, do I, do I wish it was less? Yes. If they raise it to 99%, should I still pay it? Yes. Because that's not illegal of them. That's not unbiblical of them, right? Right? It's better when it's lower. Hello, right? And I've got all the opinions on that, but it's not a biblical issue. But when the authority over us wants to command us to go against God's instruction to us, the answer is most assuredly no. And so shortly after this encounter, the rulers called them in again and instructed them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus, not to do these healings and things. And then Peter and John replied, which is right in God's eyes to listen to you or to him? You be the judges. But as for us, we cannot and will not stop speaking about what we have seen and heard from God. And can I tell you, if the world 100% agrees with the way you live your faith, you're probably doing it wrong. You're probably doing it wrong. If the world's like, on you, mate, good job, you're probably doing it wrong. If, if that's all you ever, if the world is never shocked, surprised, whoa, about your faith, you might not be doing it right. Come on, right? Like, we need to be different than the world. They need to see something different in us. There needs to be something about us that actually inspires them or at least challenges them. Oh, there's another way to live this life, right? Come on. See, as for me and my house, we still believe. We still pray for the sick. We still get to see miracles because we believe and pray for the sick. Amen. And church, I want to encourage you, pray for the sick like God commanded us. Pray for the sick like God commanded us. And the first three weeks of this message were called, This Then Is How You Should Pray. So now that I've finished my introduction, I'm totally kidding. It's all good. Relax. Everyone's like, no. No, Cleo. No. The next three weeks are, this then is what you should pray for. And the first one is healing. And in a moment, the, the main purpose of my message today is to get you to believe or to, to, to get you to maybe reignite the fire of faith in your heart that believes in healing um, and, and that you would actually go and lay hands on the sick and you would pray for people and you would be kind enough to welcome people with prayer. If you want to wear a mask while you pray for them, whatever. I don't even care. 
you know, but, but, but could we get back to a place where we believe and we pray for people and we have faith that our God is a healer, amen? <clears throat> like, if they want you to wear a mask, do you know what, actually? If they want you to wear a mask to, while you pray for them, I'm all right with that. See, the, the, the crippled guy, he, was at, he wasn't healed because of his faith. He was dropped through a ceiling and, and healed because of his friend's faith. And so, all right, fine, I'll wear a mask. If you don't have enough faith to, to, for that, okay, fine, but I'll wear it, and, uh, but my faith will see you healed. And, yeah, I'll catch what I'm saying right now. Like, I want you to leave with the faith you need to pray for people, amen? But we will pray for people down the front too as well after the service. But the first thing you should pray for is healing. No matter who wants to ridicule you, pray for healing. No matter how ridiculous or stupid you feel, pray for healing. No matter what society, um, no matter what pressure society puts on you, pray for healing. Because we serve a God who heals and a God who restores. He's done it in His Word. He's done it in my life and He'll do it in yours. Amen. In His Word, we saw a man drop through a hole in a ceiling, right? That's what I was just talking about. They couldn't get in. Some stupid volunteer at the entrance to church was like, can't sit here, can't come into church. And that guy's like, well, that sucks. So he cuts a hole in the roof and drops his friend down the hole. And Jesus says, your friend's faith has healed you. A woman was bleeding, healed. A dead man healed, alive. A possessed man healed, set free. A broken woman healed, cared for. Not to mention the fact that Jesus Christ himself suffered incredible mutilation, crown of thorns, spear through the side, railway size sleeper um, nails through his hands and his feet, died dehydrated, broken on a cross, wrapped up in a blanket and thrown in a tomb. And he raised himself from the dead. And the same power that rose Christ from the dead lives in you. And that sounds cool. But that was a verbatim quote and line from Scripture. The same Spirit that rose Christ from the dead lives in you. That's what the Word of God says. <laughs> That's it. That's what it says. Ah, oh, this preacher with his verbatim quotes from the Bible. Right? The same Spirit that rose Christ from the dead lives in you. So what did the disciples do after being filled with the Spirit? What did Peter and John do? They laid hands on the sick and saw them healed. See, just a few moments before this happened in Scripture... Peter and John were filled with the Spirit. And then they went and they encountered this crippled man. And they said, in the name of Jesus Christ, get up. Because of their faith, the man was healed. Because that's what Spirit-filled believers do. Because Spirit-filled believers have faith and they're bold and they're courageous. And they get after it. That's what Spirit-filled apostles do. That's what Spirit-filled pastors do. That's what Spirit-filled board members and elders do. That's what Spirit-filled believers do. Amen. They say, like Paul said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. So full of faith, I don't care what the world thinks of me. I'll pray for the sick. I will live in obedience to God. I'll have faith. Amen. And when the world comes at me and says, you can't do that. Don't do that. Do you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to say, hey. I'm going to say just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, my God will save me. And even if he doesn't, I'm still going to pray for the sick. And even if he doesn't, I'm not going to bow down. Amen. Because that's what spirit-filled believers do. Amen. If you believe that, would you stand up and give the Lord just five seconds of praise. Amen. Do you believe it or are you just clapping because I said so? We are the salt and the light of the earth. We're going to add a little bit of flavor and bright to the world. Amen. 
Come on, if the world's dark and flavorless, be the salt, be the light. We're people of faith, not fear. People of truth, not lies. We're the people of God. And if we don't look any different to the world in the middle of fear, why should they come and hang out with us? If, if, if a 25-year-old kid who has zero reason to fear this virus, a 25-year-old has zero reason to fear this virus, if you're healthy, just normal 25-year-old and you don't have some debilitating other pre-existing condition, 25-year-old has nothing to fear. And if somehow the world has convinced them that they need to be afraid and live in mama's basement for the next two years, and you're doing the same thing, what inspiration are you? Like we're called to be different. We're called to help people get up out of fear, drag them up out of the mire. Not, 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 here's $100, stay in the basement. No, hands out, come on, get up out of there. Come and live a life of faith with me, amen. I still believe. I still believe. I still believe in a miraculous, supernatural healing God, amen. And that's why last year, when people had the Rona, most of them heard me say on the phone, you want me to come pray for you? Most of them were like, nah, I'm good. And that wasn't a lack of faith. Most of them were like, you know, I'm just not scared of this thing and I'm praying and you're praying and we're good. Do you know what I mean? And so that, that's why most of them were like that. It's not that they were like, no, don't come near us. Or no, they just were like, kind of like me, like I don't need faith to believe this building won't fall on my head. And that's how I felt when I got corona because I was like, I'm 38 and healthy. I'll be good, you know. And that's how they were too. But, but most people I said, do you want me to come pray for you? And some people, they did want me to because they'd been isolated for like, you know, for like, I don't know, like, well, at that point, some of them been isolated for six months and still got the rona. And then, and then they were sick and now everybody hates them and everybody's calling them crazy. And so I'm like, well, I'll hug you. Worst thing that can happen is you give it to me, but I can't give it to you because you already got it, you know. And so I did. I went and I prayed with them. And I just trusted God that as I obey Him, He'll look after me, you know, like we did for thousands of years. Just saying, like we always did. Like there are sicknesses way more deadly than this that pastors have been like, yeah, I'll pray for you, you know. And if He doesn't heal me, I'll be like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But, you know, whatevs. Let's go, Jesus. You know, and I'm sorry if you think I'm reckless. You won't, you, you wouldn't be the first person to accuse me of that, by the way. That, that's been the story of my life since I was like six months old. My parents were like, oh my Lord, you know. I've had 16 different uh, encounters at the emergency room getting stitches and all of them in my head. And because I just run into things and stuff. I thought my parents were abusive and they just told me that I ran into a chair and I don't know. But I'm sorry if you think I'm reckless. But God's love is reckless. Oh, He has such a reckless love for you. He loves you without care for Himself. He loves you, and then you mess up, and He still loves you anyway. He's got re- You know when people say, I ain't going to let myself get hurt like that again? God's like, oh, I'm for sure going to get hurt like that again. Let's go. Like, that's reckless, right? That's our God. He's got a reckless love for you. And church, I am too. God's love is reckless and so is mine. God's love is reckless and so is ours. I pray you have a reckless love for people. That we love people more 
then we want safety. I think this idea of safety is one of the worst things. It's kept everybody from so much fun in their lives, you know? Like, now we know. He's got all the lines on his head. God's love is reckless and so is ours. In a moment, we're going to pray for the sick. You'll be invited to come down the front. My friend, Pastor Brad, will, will invite you to come down the front and he'll pray for you. And, um, but then, but before that, I want to pray for people who don't know Jesus. I just told you God's love is reckless, right? I told you I'd pray for you. I said I'd pray for you no matter what you've got. By the way, I'd come to your house and pray for you no matter who you are and no matter what you've done and no matter where you live. If you live in the most dangerous neighborhood of Des Moines, you're the person with the worst rap sheet of them all and you invite me for coffee obviously if it fits in my calendar (laughs) I'm gonna be there like I'll come my staff we've got 22 staff that work here at Eternity Church we'll come our love is right we don't care we don't care who you are we don't care what you did we'll come pray for you right come on we love you and just like that, though, it's the same with God's family and God's house. His love is reckless and you're welcome in His family. I had someone once say, and I understand the concept that they, they've got their kids and they love their kids. And because of that, they wouldn't adopt someone else because they're not sure what they'd be bringing into their family. You ever heard that? I get that. You make your decisions based on your family and your life, right? The, for me, the reason is I wouldn't adopt is because there ain't no cars big enough for my family plus one more. So I got five kids. But, um, but God doesn't say that when it comes to inviting you into his family. He says, I know what you did. And my family is going to be good for you. You're not going to be bad for my family. His love is reckless. He walked away from 99 sheep to find one. Today, I pray that one might be you. If you're away from God, if you've never given him your life, or maybe you've left and you've, you want to give your life back. You want to recommit your life to Jesus Christ. Today, I want you to pray a prayer with me. You're welcome in His family, no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, no matter what you've seen. God is inviting you into His family today to live a life of faith, not fear, not brokenness, not misery, not brokenness, but a life of faith, a life of healing, a life of joy, a life full of hope. In Jeremiah 29, 11, God says, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans to bless you, plans to prosper you, plans to fill your life with hope and a great future. That's the life that God planned for you. When God created mankind, He planned your life. And I pray today you give Him your life and start living for Him. Let Him forgive your sin. Let Him help you. Let Him lift you up out of the miry clay so that you can walk around leaping and dancing and praising God with us. Amen. And so what I want you to do is pray a prayer with me because the Word of God says, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, that you will be saved. It doesn't say, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and don't wear pink North Face shirts or and don't wear hats when you preach, right? Or wear a suit to church, you'll be saved. It doesn't say any of that. It doesn't say if you quit smoking, you'll be saved, right? Hey, keep smoking. You'll get to, you'll get to see him quicker, you know? <laughs> but, but it ain't sin, all right? It ain't going to keep you from Jesus. It just might get you there quicker. Hello. Come on, right? And we add all these rules and all these lists of things you've got to change to become a friend of God, right? To, be, to join the family of God. 
But I'm telling you right now, if there's something in your life that's destructive to you, hurtful to others or offensive to God, God will speak to you and then God will help you. He'll give you the boldness. He'll give you the strength that you need to win that battle. The first step you need to take though is to invite Jesus Christ into your life today. So pray this prayer with me, everyone in the room, from the front to the back, from the right to the left, every single person so that nobody's praying it alone. Please pray this prayer with me right now. Dear God, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He died on a cross for my sins and He rose again to give me life, hope, joy, peace, and eternal life. I receive it all. I receive this new life with you as my Lord and my Savior. And I receive your forgiveness for all my sin. And I ask for your help to live this life the way you designed it, just for me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise God. Come on. Well, thank you so much for listening to this message. If you enjoyed it, be sure to check out our other episodes. If you would like to connect with Eternity Church, please visit MyEternity.com and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at MyEternityChurch. We'll see you next week. Love you heaps.